Imagine if that head trash was not there. Who would you be? What if I told you those fears were no longer a problem? What would you do? I'm Stephanie Costello, a mom of three, wife, and avid mountaineer. Beyond all of these, I am, very much like you, an average person trying to navigate this thing we call life. My goal with this podcast is to bring to light the truth about what intimacy really is. You may smile, feel called out, or learn something new. Either way, you will learn you are in control. This episode is brought to you by Safety in Freedom. Are you struggling to find safety in the freedom you create? Or maybe you're struggling to own your power, embrace who you are, and break free from those toxic patterns? Well, let's help you solve this problem today. Let's figure out what is really happening in your relationships with yourself and others. You can do that for free today at safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. That is safetyinfreedom.com forward slash call. In addition, if you are looking for support with what we've been talking about in today's episode, I want to encourage you to get our free tools to help you navigate your freedom. You can go now to safetyinfreedom.com to get those resources. If you'd like access to the special resources and all the show notes for this special episode, make sure to visit theintimacytruths.com. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Intimacy Truths podcast, where we have Brian Monteverde here to speak with us about achieving the financial outcome for your family during separation, which is a challenging conversation to have. Um, And that's one of our favorite things to focus on. So Brian, thank you for being here. Oh, Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm very excited to be here. Yes, I know. And I'm so excited to really hear your, uh, your dig your teeth into this this topic and and how this you started this journey uh in in your life you know it's funny we you you call it a journey because we always talk about journeys with there's three of us in our firm at divorce outcomes and we talk about employee Mm -hmm. journey we talk about client journey we talk about partner journey because really this is all about a journey uh, especially as it relates to our clients going through this Mm -hmm. transition Uh, My own personal journey started uh, in wealth management uh, in the financial services industry, focused on financial planning, estate planning, helping business owners design uh, estate plans around their business. Um, I did a lot of valuation work, um, financial statement analysis, things like that. And um, I had a lot of wonderful clients of all sorts, uh, shape, sizes, and backgrounds. And um, I, I, I had experienced throughout my tenure in wealth management, the devastation of divorce financially. Um, and it was quite apparent from the onset that most people who go through it are, are, are usually hurt in some way emotionally or financially at the end of it. Um, and I didn't know what I didn't know at the time. I met my two colleagues, Larry and Neil Smith, who had been doing the work we're doing now at Divorce Outcomes since 2003. Okay. And they had realized that what I was realizing now that this industry needed transformed. Um, it was, it was just so devastating on people's lives, you know, when divorce on average lasts a year and a quarter to three and a half years, and sometimes much longer, uh, and can cost sometimes hundreds of thousands and even more in in just legal fees alone. Um, clearly there's something wrong here and it needs to be evolved. And so when I saw the impacts of the divorce outcomes process and the frameworks that were developed to help people. Um, I became very passionate about what we are doing here, what our mission is. 
Um, so it was a, an easy decision, a transition for me. Um, and for the last three years, uh, it's been a heck of a journey and mm. I've enjoyed every minute of it. And we really hear the three of us and it's growing are very, very passionate about the impacts we're, we're having on clients. That's amazing. So can you speak a little bit to the dysfunction of how most people who are navigating divorce end up experiencing because of the legal system? Well, so much of it comes down. And, and usually when we talk to clients, we want them to come to this realization really quickly. And, and that's the process inherently isn't designed to help what their unique needs are. Mm. So most of the time I, I begin to talk to our clients and I, and they're listing out all their concerns and all their uncertainties and what's keeping them up at night. Um, and they ultimately come to the realization that the vast majority of those concerns are financial. They're not legal. Mm. Um, you know, God forbid there's domestic abuse. Uh, there's child custody issues oftentimes, but really outside of that, it's, it's financial uncertainties. Am I going to be okay uh, after this divorce? Can I retire? Can I afford this home? Um, and it goes on and on and on. Mm. And so all these financial uncertainties that are going through their head then are now being resolved using legal frameworks, state statutes and guidelines. Um, and they're not really unique or bespoke to what the client's issues are. And so that mismatch creates fundamentally um, an issue for them where they're not getting clarity. They're just making decisions and they don't really understand what the impacts of those decisions are both short-term and long-term. Yeah. And then even the decision, like putting the legal system and whoever's in charge for that day uh, for your case uh, in control of the outcome of what you, where, who spends the most time with your kids, right. Or, or whatever it might be like giving somebody else that power seems very counterproductive to requesting to take your power back. If you are the person who was asking for the divorce. Exactly. And so a lot to say around that, right? Um, mm. You know, one statement I often get from people, you know, almost on a weekly basis is, Brian, we, we started out this process amicably and with the best intentions, and we wanted to protect our family and ourselves. Um, but six months into it, we're, we're at each other's throats. We're, we're trying to kill each other. And now we're trying to screw each other over. And we don't know how we got here. Mm. Um, often it comes down to two primary things. Number one, they lose control of that process, right? There's all these outside influences now that are making decisions for them or mm. that are guiding them down a direction that they don't quite understand. Uh, there's lack of transparency. There's you know all these external forces now that are getting in the way of everything. And, and so they lose control of this. Uh, and number two, they're not getting clarity. It all comes down to clarity at the end of the day. They have questions about all of the, their financial future and mm. they're not getting resolved. They're being brushed under the rug or there's a very generic uh, solution to it. And so it, when you don't get clarity, your suspicions grow, your emotions grow. Um, and, and ultimately that's going to drive you down a more litigious state or get you to uh, an outcome that is, is not optimal for you. Um, so there's a lot of reasons there. And and a big one is, is, is losing control with your advisor. Um, yeah. The worst case scenario um, is if you fail at your negotiations as a couple um, and it goes to trial and it goes in front of a judge. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a lot to say to that. Number one, this all this really is is a financial negotiation. Yeah, there's lots of emotion. There's, there's children, there's lives at stake here. But 
if you simplify it down, this is really a financial negotiation between two people who want to position themselves in the best financial outcome possible so that they're protected, their kids are protected, and they can move on with their lives. Um, when, you, when you think in terms of what a judge would say early on in that process, you're no longer in a financial negotiation. Now you're in a legal negotiation. And if those negotiations fail, and it's a very small percentage go to trial, less than 5%, um, it'll go in front of a judge and that judge who is even, even further remo removed from you is now going to opine and make a decision on your behalf. Mm. When it comes to that, oftentimes it's extremely devastating financially. Uh, there's a lot of liabilities that are missed. There's a lot of implications that are, aren't sought through or discussed. Um, and so usually that results in oftentimes the worst outcome. What I, we, we love using the analogy of a, a megaphone. I use this all the time. It's so simple mm. to understand. So mm. at one end of the megaphone, it's a large end. At the little end, it's the judge's station. Mm. And everything in between is the, the negotiations, is the process that you're going to use. Now, when, you're at the, when you enter into divorce or when you, when, you, when you come to the decision that I want to divorce my husband or my wife, it's just not working out, um, we, we enter into the large part of the megaphone. No laws involved. This is a purely financial negotiation between me and you. How do you want to get through this? How, you know, what do you need to survive when this is over? Mm. The biggest complaint we get from uh, oftentimes a lot of mediators, collaborative attorneys, or especially the client is that the first solutions that are brought to the table is what would a judge say? And okay. we say, well, why does that matter? Because your percentage ch chance of going to there and having a judge opine on what happens is so small that We'll address that when, if, if we get there, God forbid we get there, but we're probably not going to get there because we're going to have successful discussions to get you both to a very good spot. Mm. And so we talk a lot about mindset and the mindset around this shouldn't be, I need to go get an attorney and file for divorce and I'm legally entitled to something. It should be, how can we position ourselves financially, both of us collectively and our family to get through this as quickly, as cheaply and efficiently as possible and optimize the marital state that we've worked so hard for? Mm, I love that. And I was actually going to bring back to initially when you started talking about how um, the, the control and the power, that's the piece that people feel that they're missing out on or that they lose in these processes. And, and you start your process by talking to people about what is it that you want? Like you start your process by giving them the power that is removed from their situation by other um, forces when they take a different route. And I thought that that was very um, fascinating that you're, you're literally seeing challenges that people the actual challenge not the divorce and all the conversations and all the other things that go into what you do you're seeing the core of what the human is needing and you're really applying it so I, I like applaud all three of you for being able to take that and see and 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 make sure you're um that you're dealing with it when you're engaging with your clients mm. yeah you know a lot of our process is driven off of their financial objectives post-divorce. And you, you know, those objectives that they have, and there could be a, a wide variety of them, mm. all baked into our frameworks, is, is what's really going to drive the negotiations and drive the conversation. Now, the objectives that the individuals have post-divorce are constraints on us as architects and designers as we design out what their solution is gonna be. Cause now we have to design it around those objectives. 
the reality is you're probably not going to meet every single objective, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to, you're not going to have your cake and eat it. So you're not going to get everything you want, right. but we're going to prioritize your objectives very methodically. And we're going to say, let's look at all of the different outcomes, all of the different possibilities here and say, which design is going to get you both the majority of those objectives accomplished. Mm. And, and that's a key in this. Now, at the end of the day, we have a finite marital estate that we've accumulated. Um, and we're going to profile that and we're going to break it down and quantify the wealth at risk and what, what's in there, big or small, it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and we're going to say, this is what we're working with. These are our objectives. Now we have to design around that. And so a lot of this process comes down to design work so that we can get them to that optimal place. Okay, so sometimes I was curious about the objective piece because some people have to approach this and just like, I know that this is what I want, but everything else in between, like the divorce is what I want, but how that looks, most people probably come to you like, I have no idea. So do you, is, is there a way to help them figure out like, what is it that they're really craving from this experience? Or um, do you do the, some of the design work based on the financial piece instead of, the emotional piece or the communication piece or whatever else? Yeah. So that's a great question. I, you know, people's objectives are going to change throughout the process. Okay. Um, Their their thoughts and sentiment about certain things are going to change. Um, There's going to be opportunities discovered. um, Okay. That, that, that can create new um, possibilities Mm. that are going to change the mindset. Um, There's also, as you, as you properly break down, all of the tradable components in the marital estate and start quantifying things appropriately Mm -hmm. uh, and looking at the long-term economic implications of things and looking at the hidden liabilities that that come with that particular asset. Uh, People's sentiment towards that may change. You know, we have a client who went through a couple mediation sessions um, and walked out of there with zero clarity. I mean, their mediator kept saying, well, who wants the house? How can someone say whether they want the house or not? Because they don't know what it means to have the house. There's all sorts of hidden dangers in that home, deferred maintenance, uh, future sales commission costs, you know, when are you selling this credit rating differential? Um, it goes on and on and on. There's a lot to take in. So before they can make a decision on who wants the house, they, they need to understand uh, everything about that house and what mm. it means to own the house. Um, and so part of creating the clarity is to show them that. And so we don't want to compartmentalize decisions. We don't want to go down the balance sheet and say 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, right. 50. No, we want to look at the timeline, the history uh, in the future, uh, to show, to tell that story and to say, this is what it means to have the house. Right. And as people start to realize and develop, um, the uh, true appreciation of what it's worth or what it means, their sentiment towards that might, might change. And they say, my, my highest priority was actually to have, keep the house and have the children live with me. Um, now all of a sudden I'm rethinking this and there's actually a better design we can use um, that I'd be just as happy with, but that also works within my, within my budget and with, within this design. So yeah. it, 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 their objectives will change naturally and they should, um, and we'll work with that. And we want that transparency and that open communication uh, to make sure that we're accounting for all those changes uh, and adjusting accordingly. Yes. And you're literally handing them their power. Like the, the went during, so in my, in my world, transitional times in life are, uh, it's like this whole new, fresh, clean slate. Not that it's a, sometimes it's a hard, clean slate, but it's a, usually it's a new story that's being developed. Any trans transition transformation, like for example, another one, 
both divorced couples or dads particularly. And then um, the other transition I often work with are empty nesting moms where they're, mm. they're learning to transition from being needed as a mom to being wanted as a mom and, and how to continue that relationship and communication with their adult children. And, and what does that look like for them? And the relation in all the pieces, all the moving pieces, like you're talking about building the story. Um, in, 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 in your reference of how you build the story, you literally hand them their power. And it's interesting how this transition change is scary for people. Change is something uh, that people regret or shy away from or reject or whatever that the term change. But when they meet you, it seems like there's just this, this not excitement, because obviously divorce is not necessarily exciting, but there's a, there's a radical acceptance. And a, a psychologist friend of mine um, says that radical acceptance is like chewing on broken glass and trying to swallow it, you know? So it's like <laughs> radical acceptance is having to accept a hard piece. And another quote that I will add to that is pain is inevitable. Suffering is an option. So the, if I were to, I'm going to say this, you don't have to say it, but I'm going to say it. The, the legal divorce process seems like it's just this painful, stricken, stress-ridden, like in a situation where you're taking it and you're not only giving them their voice, giving them their power, uh, you're helping them really break it down of, of understanding like, okay, this, the story is what it used to be is, is drastically changing. So now how do you use your building blocks that you have to make the picture that you want to make it? Um, so am I making you sound way more mm. glorious than, than it happens? Like how often do your cases <laughs> turn out to be these, like, you know, very, well, I, you open... know, one thing, one thing, and, and those are excellent quotes and, and, mm. and spot on, um, one thing that really drives our process is, I think you had asked me this last time we spoke, is educating our clients. Mm. Um, our process and our thinking is very transparent. We, and the reason it's transparent is because we want our clients to be as smart as us, as smart as us at the end right. around this topic, of course, yeah. around this topic. Right. Right. We want them to know everything we know about this topic by the time they're through. Um, we want them making the decision because they understand it, right? We've mm -hmm. gotten them to the point of saying, this makes sense to me. That's all we want them to say is this makes sense to me. I know how I know what I want to, to say to this question. Mm. Um, that's what's going to drive their, their decision. So there's no surprises at the end. Um, so it's about creating that agile mindset with our clients and educating them and, and teaching them and driving them to, you know, driving them to water and, and driving them to make their own decisions, putting them in control of mm. this whole thing. Um, it's what's keeping you up at night. What's your questions of uncertainty that are keeping you up at night? We want to know them. And if you can't articulate them yourself, then we're going to help you articulate them because we want, we want to get these questions answered. You know, early in our process, we, we, we ask our clients, we're going to start making a list of all the financial questions of uncertainty. And there's going to be a lot of them, hundreds of them. Oh, we want okay. them all. And we're going, to, we're going to help you create more because we're, we want you to feel that there's no rock that hasn't been overturned. Every mm -hmm thing has been discussed and thought through and it's been put in the frameworks and it's not being brushed under the rug and it's not being lost so that when we design that final solution, all of this is coming to a head and it's all in that document. And we know with certainty what the outcomes are gonna look like. We've thought through the contingencies, we've designed the divorce conditions, we, we've, we've, we've thought through all this to make sure we're protected. We found the opportunities, we found the risks, we addressed the risks. Um, and now you guys are gonna sign this piece of document and move on to the rest of your life without having to worry about going back. Mm. Um, the, the legal process is, is just not providing that, right? Um, 
the, it's providing, uh, and it's not all bad, right? But um, yeah. it's, it's just not focused on what they need at the time. And we view divorce, and this isn't always the case, and we come in at any stage in the divorce. We, we come in when someone's been in two years and reached an impasse and, and, and doesn't see any forward movement. Um, but we also want to come in very early in the process. And when we talk to those people who come in early in the process, they're, they're at an advantage, right? Because they haven't embarked on a process that doesn't work for them. They haven't already spent money that isn't going to, to work for them. And so mm-hmm. we can say the way we view divorce is that this is a financial negotiation and we want to optimize this for you. The last step in the process is filing for divorce, not the first step. It's the last step. And and unfortunately, the legal system views it differently. They view it as that's the first step. Mm. File for divorce, freeze your asset, diminish your maneuverability, get forced into this process uh, that you don't like, that that, that, uh, on a schedule that you're not comfortable with, um, spending money that you don't quite understand what it's doing for you. Um, So they have the advantage of saying, okay, let's do all this prep work. Let's look at our risks and assess them and address mm. them, profile our estate, understand all of the hidden components in the, within the estate, talk about our objectives, design around it, come to an agreement, and then file for divorce and then be in and out of it. What that does is that shortens the timeline from a year and a quarter to three and a half years to four to six months. Oh, wow. It, 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 it shortens the, the fees associated with it because you're using the right advisor with the right expertise at the right time. Um, and it ultimately preserves that wealth that you've created in your family and positions you to, to be in a more comfortable place uh, afterwards. Mm. And, and, and so that's, that's really what it comes down to. And, and it's um, very beneficial for us to, 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 to find the people before they, they go down that legal route, because, you know, then you're unseating impressions, you're unseating discussions, it, it just becomes a little messier and harder to navigate. Yes. And your process, uh, one of the big important pieces in what you just said is um, it allows the, allows the individuals to get, close that chapter and, and ultimately close it versus it popping back open randomly throughout the rest of life. Like it, that pain gets put to rest. There's not this long term stressful grieving process of feeling like you're being tugged back to something that you didn't want to be there in the first place, or that you were struggling with being there. And then you, you grew and you were able to free and you spread your wings and finally it's over. And the, you know, the the stamp is on the paper and then two years down the road, which I didn't even know that something else pops up and here it is you know, showing up in your face, like, um, what did you say? The sale, the sale of the home and having to pay somebody for the sale of the home. Like that's an interesting concept. Well, and realizing that, 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 that this whole structure that we put together wasn't sustainable in any ways, you know, it's kind of forced upon us. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, one, one particular spouse was creating a surplus and the other one was creating a, a deficit and there, there's no, ability for future wealth creation. Now it, now it puts these what we call financial constraints on them that impacts not just them, but the entire family mm. uh, and the relationships within the family. I mean, mm. the children res- grow resentful uh, in times like that. Um, I tell people, even on a good divorce, a year and a, a quarter, three, and, three years, three and a half years, if you live to 100, that's 3% of your life, you're now tied into this divorce process. Mm. And when you go through divorce and you file, it's not like you're just living your normal life. There, there are uh, constraints that you, it's hard to maneuver your life uh, and do things with your life that you want to do when you're in the middle of this process. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just not the same. There's a, the, always a level of stress and confinement. Uh, and it's hard to move on with your life emotionally or financially if you're in that process. If you live to 100 and you have a three-year divorce, that's 3% of your life you're in that process. Mm. It's crazy to think about it like that. It you is. Live to 70, it's a lot more. Right. Um, and, and we've come in in unfortunate situations where it's even longer. Um, five years, seven years, and 10 years is probably the longest I've seen. Um, but it doesn't take a lot to find yourself in that position. It doesn't take a lot. And, you know, one other point to that is when, when you don't untether yourself entirely from your spouse or, or you didn't design it right, it's not sustainable. Um, these, these documents are usually pretty ambiguous. There, there's not a lot of contingency planning um, and, and proper divorce conditions built in um, to account for the unknowns. And so people oftentimes find themselves right back at that negotiating table uh, to renegotiate or, or, or to go back and fight again because it's just not working out because something mm -hmm. that happened. And so that's, that's more of your life then. That's more money spent. Uh, meanwhile, you're trying to move on. You're trying to get remarried or, or focus on your children right. or focus on yeah. your new passions. Like, you know, people, your clients, what they deal with trying to find their new passion or their, you know, find their themselves, new career, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, that's a, that's a great point. And yeah, you, 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 when, when you want it, when you want it done quickly, you want it done right. And you Efficiently. don't want to have to go back and read that. Right. And you <laughs> want to gain your power. Like you chose to have your power. You want to gain your power throughout the process. You don't want to keep losing more and more of it. I love it. This has been right. a wonderful conversation. Um, one last question. Is there anything that I didn't ask that you would love to leave the listeners with? Oh, how much time for you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's so much I can say here. Mm. Uh, I will say this. So um, it seems hard at the time. Um, you know, your emotions, there's so much going through you emotionally, um, feelings of resentfulness, feelings of grief. I mean, it goes on and on. Mm. Um, if you let those emotions drive your decision-making, you will regret it six months down the road, a year down the road. It, it is not going to leave. It, it is going to lead to that continual, continual suffering. Mm. Um, you, you, you have to stay grounded and logical in your decision-making you need the frameworks to do that and you need the right expertise, but that's what has to drive your decision-making, not the emotion, because the emotion is just going to lead to, to further suffering. So uh, it's, it's one of the hardest things to do as someone going through a divorce uh, to put those aside. Um, but, but that's really what your focus should be. Ooh, that is like so juicy. That's why you and I are such a great team together because <laughs> like we yeah. help work on not making decisions out of resentment and, and all those other, you know, those feelings that fuel us because we're angry and we're frustrated or we want to get back or we're sad or whatever it is. Um, when we feel, when we, when we, we, like you said, when our decisions are fueled by those emotions, uh, it mm -hmm. result, it results in regret later on in life. Uh, so really learning how to navigate that, th that emotional journey throughout any transitional process is a, is an exercise, um, I, as I would reference, instead of exercising like this in your life, you want to relax your shoulder and exercise like this, you know? So um, thank you for sharing. Where can people find you? Um, people, uh, I, I guess you can post my contact information. Um, is it divorceoutcomes.com? What's the website? Yeah, it's, uh, it's divorceoutcomes.com. Yeah. Uh, my, my email is my name, uh, first name, dot my last name at divorceoutcomes.com. Um, you know, we're, we're always open for a phone call, educational phone call, yeah. discussion. 
um, around some of the risks, try to give you some insights as you walk into this. Um, so, you know, I encourage a, a phone call. Uh, most people who go through divorce go for it for the first time. So, you mm. know, get educated. Look at, look at all the uh, opportunities. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. Uh, yeah, well, thanks for having me. You're welcome.